Hi, and welcome back to the Netflix Club podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Noah. And today we're going to talk about the movie Good Will Hunting, uh, starring Robin Williams, Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck. Um, Casey Affleck. Lots of people in it. It's a very good movie. Um, but first, we're going to dive into uh, n- some Netflix news um, and some things people have been saying about Netflix news or Netflix as a platform. People are kind of saying that, or I shouldn't say people, but like some some sources are saying that Netflix is kind of destroying classic movies and kind of classic cinephilia, if you know what I mean. What? Because particularly with their push to bring original content to the platform. Um, they just mean like the movie-going experience? Well, they or? mean that they're trying to bring, make their all-new, like, ton, a thousand hours of original content on their platform. And they've also been getting rid of classic movies and stuff like that. People are kind of saying that they're kind of ruining that old classic movies. They're getting rid of them. They only want people to focus on the new stuff and not on the old stuff, um, which I think is... Like I'm going to read a quote from here that says, The film selection on Netflix is much worse than your average blockbuster, which doesn't exist anymore. It's like a gas station DVD collection, which I would agree with in that they got a lot of, like, D-list so movies, yeah. and they have some, like, oh, wow, that's a good movie. Um, So I would agree with it in that sense, but, like, you know, I'll just say I agree with it. I don't think it's destroying it, but I think they're definitely kind of – neglecting classic movies more than they should be. And I think I'd like that about our podcast a little bit is that we try to give some good ones, some good, some of those classic ones that nobody knows about or like soon to be classics or whatever. So I think that it's definitely kind of neglecting them, but I don't think it's destroying classic cinephilia by any means. I, I think that might be an exaggeration because I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. In uh, my opinion. I, I, w- I would agree. Um, more Netflix news is that Tales by Light, a six-part series that follows five photographers as they work in rarely photographed remote areas, is slated to come to Netflix uh, Friday, actually, which is today. Um, And they talk about they're going to explore little-known areas of the world in terms of culture and nature, as well as, like, Antarctica and the bottom of the ocean. Uh, Is this, like, a documentary? uh, Yeah. Okay, that sounds really cool. I'm excited that they're bringing more docu- like original documentaries to Netflix. Oh, so this is like a Netflix original. It's not like a. Uh, I well, that's actually a good question. I'm, uh, that is a good question. I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix original, but I'm not positive. Regardless, it's coming to Netflix Friday. Cool. Um, another thing is that. They some website did the math, some average math, and found out that in 2015, um, each Netflix subscriber watched about 600 hours of video. Wow, that's a lot. A person, and that, uh, yeah, a person. Oh my gosh. Uh, and so maybe they mean account per account. I wonder how they would be able to measure that because they do have the uh, you know like the uh, accounts within the accounts. So I wonder if that's how they would measure that, but. Or is it maybe they're doing surveys or something? I think they're doing just, like, subscribers. Okay. I'm not really sure how they're measuring it. Um, but it says that the streaming service counted that they had 74.76 million subscribers in 2015. And of those consumers, or and those consumers, watched a total of 42.5 billion hours. That's insane. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, and, I believe it, but, but it's this, just... But the nearly 600 hours is exactly 568 hours, which equals about 24 days of non-stop viewing. Wow. I would believe it. I watched a lot of Netflix last year. Yeah? I, I, 
I've said it before, but like I don't know if you guys know, but the Netflix queue has a uh, max, and I hit it. I had too many things in my queue, so I just was like, I'm gonna watch. Just start going just start through binging these. movies. Yeah. And after about a couple, I want to say after like a year, I I had watched like 150 movies on Netflix, which is a lot of movies. Well, at least like you know this was over the span of a year, maybe not like a couple of months. Yeah, that's true. good. That's good. You paced yourself. Another thing, more Netflix news moving on from that is that Doug Lyman or Lehman, I don't know how you pronounce it, the guy that directed um, Born Identity. Oh, cool is bringing a documentary series to Netflix about, uh, or called Captive, which is about stuff like that, hostages and stuff like that. I think that'll be really interesting, getting a big director to work on a Netflix. Uh, something that also was kind of out of his realm in terms of that documentary. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Absolutely. I'm sure it'll be really good. Um, another thing is that, you know, for TV, for ratings and stuff, they have the Nielsen rating, which has been around for forever, forever yeah. really. And there hasn't be really been anything for Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Video. Because they that keep kind of it stuff. to themselves. I mean, yes, at because, least with Netflix. Yeah. Um, and there's a company now called Symphony that has developed a tracking system that uses a smartphone app that will actually be able to give ratings to what you're watching, like in terms of what people are watching, how people are watching it. Um, they said that it's an app. It's got about 15,000 downloads right now, and it works similar to Shazam's that you have it on in the background while you're watching something, and it just kind of listens so it knows what you're watching. Um, I'll say that I think this is a really interesting concept of getting ratings for um, Netflix shows and stuff, but I'm not going to get this app because that seems like it'll kill my battery. Also, like, is this something that people are just going to do for fun or are they going to yeah. get some sort of like money out of this? I feel like it's just going to be just a thing that you do for, not for fun, just for data. Okay. You don't get anything out of it. That's kind of weird. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be able to see what people are watching more, but uh, yeah. Um, something that I mentioned is that this the fact that they don't have ratings in like Nielsen ratings for Netflix actually hurts a lot of um, like shows and stuff originals that try to come to Netflix because um, in what way I'm gonna say this is that is a quote from the article is that media re researcher Bill Harvey says for the people who actually produce the programming the number of viewers remains very important the producers of a show like Black Mirror which we talked about are at a disadvantage in price negotiations with Amazon or Netflix because the price paid by a distributor to a program source is less based on the assumption that audience is smaller or is less based on the assumption that the audience um, is smaller and obviously we know that the audience isn't smaller but it's probably bigger than many cases, but they're getting paid less because there's the assumption that it's smaller. Is that like just like the producers are being paid less or the, the production is getting a, like a lower budget? I think it's the producers are getting paid less like paid less like profit wise, okay. like money that they get in their pocket. All right. They probably get a lot of budget. Um, but yeah, um, another thing is that Ubisoft or Ubisoft, however you pronounce it, um, and Netflix have been potentially talking about creating a TV series for Netflix that you know incorporates a Ubisoft, like one of their like game titles, yeah, into like a show. I'd really be interested to know what they do. Um, Far Cry, that's Ubisoft, right? Yes, I would really like to see a Far Cry. I series. could totally see that being a show. People mentioned Assassin's Creed, but I'm like, that's probably not going to happen. I think that would have been cool like a couple of years ago when they weren't making a movie yeah exactly. but now that they are that's it's probably not going to happen it would have been way better than the movie in my opinion probably i'm excited for it but it's like i think it would have been better as like a netflix tv mm -hmm. show 
Okay, and now we're, we'll finish our Netflix news with what's coming out uh, in the next week. Uh, November 15th, we have K-Pop Extreme Survival Season 1. Uh, November 16th, we have The 100 Season 3. November 17th, Love Sick Season 2, which was previously called Scrotal Recall. Okay, um, all right. Paranoid Season 1 as well. November 18th, we have Beat Bug Season 2. And uh, that is pretty much it for uh, television. For movies, we have... Uh, Carter High on November 14th. November 15th, we have... I'm going to butcher this because I'm pretty sure this is German. Dieter Nur, Nur in Berlin. You did great. I don't know German if you didn't know. Uh, that's coming out November 15th, November 15th along with Men Go to Battle uh, and The Missing Ingredient. What is the recipe for success? November 16th, we have Burn After Reading, um, Jackass 3.5, and Paddington. November 18th, we have The Battle of Midway, Colin Quinn, The New York Story, Divines, Preludes to War, San Pietro, um, Sour Grapes, Thunderbolt, Tunisian Victory, Undercover, How to Operate Behind Enemy Lines. And so those are all coming out on November 18th. A lot of war movies. They got Paddington Bear, though. Yeah, I'm interested to see that. That movie is adorable. I would recommend that for sure. Okay, so let's jump into Goodwill Hunting. It's uh, a it's a hard pill to swallow. It's it's sad at times, but there's, there's some uplifting elements to it for sure. I definitely say it's a powerful powerful movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, story wise, it's I don't want to say it's unique, but it definitely because like that's kind of a story that is not exactly the same, but it's used a lot of like there's a prodigy or whatever and trying to cope with being successful or whatever like that. Also, we should probably describe the movie a little bit, and we will go into... I'll say we'll go into spoilers, but kind of the same. It's not a movie you can super spoil. It's very... It's. But we'll, like, refrain from, like, going super into spoilers. Um, but it's about Matt Damon, who is a janitor at MIT. Uh, is it... I'm pretty sure it's Harvard, actually. Uh, I think it's MIT. Are you sure it's MIT? I'm pretty it's sure one it's of Harvard. the two. I it's, know Matt Damon went to Harvard. It's an Ivy League. I'm gonna school. Google it right I'm, now. I'm super sure it's Harvard. Anyway, he's a he's a janitor at a college, a prestigious university, um, and there's a math professor there um, who posts this question on this whiteboard in the hallway, and it's like an equation that is like super hard, like yeah. no one can answer it. And if you you do answer it, it's like you know you're a prodigy and you'll get like tons of accolades and stuff. And none of the students can solve it, um, except for Matt Damon, who's not even a student. He's a janitor. And they figure out, essentially, that he's this math prodigy, and he's just like a genius. Um, but he gets himself into some legal trouble, and the only way he get, he'll get released is if he works with the professor, the math professor, um, and if he goes to counseling. And he's very belligerent with a lot of the counselors for a long time until he ends up with Robin Williams, who he still is belligerent with, but... Robin Williams kind of gets him out of it. Yeah. They work together on like, and it's about that, how he's struggling with like who he wants to be. Cause he's a math prodigy, but he doesn't really want to be that he wants to be will hunting. Yeah. He, I mean, he doesn't even know who he wants to be. That's like a huge thing. Like he, he has troubles with that. And then like, uh, coping with like certain aspects of his life that he has kind of like hidden away because of his past. And like, he is, a uh, what, what is it? I'm going to read this. It says, uh, 20-year-old Will Hunting of South Boston is a self-taught genius-level intellect 
though he works as a janitor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Okay, I thought it was Harvard. Uh, I Matt, read Damon, that. Matt Damon went to Harvard. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, but yeah. But yeah, it's a very good story, very powerful. It's, it runs very, uh, I don't want to say, like Zack Snyder, um, the director of like Sucker Punch and Batman vs. Superman and all that kind of stuff. He has he he likes to, what he likes to do in his movies is do a lot of like. How are you gonna relate this to Goodwill Hunting? Like I will. Okay. okay. He likes to right. do a lot of like movie moments, and he kind of neglects the story. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Goodwill Hunting has a lot of like moments, like good. Mo- how is, I not the same, obviously, as Zack Snyder films, but like yeah, like the same uh-huh. kind of effect. Is, what are you laughing about over there? I don't know. Like I don't know how you can. I, I get what it, you're saying. It has but. like a lot of like good cinema moments. Um, the story is very good, but like what makes it good is that there's a lot of like fantastic uh, moments, just like moments. Like it's like character driven. Like the sure. there's a scene in a bar, and I don't know if you've seen this. We're gonna assume that you haven't. There's a scene in a bar. Um, in the very beginning or towards the beginning with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and they kind of like get into it with some Harvard guys and you find out how smart Matt Damon is um, and it's just from like reading library books and this kind of thing. It's a very powerful scene because you're like, uh, I don't want to say powerful in an emotional sense, but it's like a very good scene. There's a scene in the park where Robin Williams has just been thinking about what Matt Damon said to him after after their first meeting because like Matt Damon kind of went after his wife who was dead and he's just kind of thinking about it and then he talks to him about he's like you're just a kid you don't know and this is really powerful really long speech that he goes through and that's a really good like movie moment there's a scene where matt damon finally breaks down and is just like sobbing with robin williams and he's you know the it's not your fault scene um that's really powerful there's a scene with ben affleck towards the end where he's like kind of goes after matt damon and he's like if you don't get out of here and do something successful you are wronging all of us. You're wronging me. You're wronging like all of our friends. You're wronging all these people at this construction site because you have something we don't and we would kill for. And you owe it to all of us to do something with your life since you have this ability. Super powerful scene. There's a scene where they're in his office and they're just like laughing about what Robin Williams said about his late wife. Um, there's the scene where he, spoiler, dumps Skyler. They kind of break up. That's a really powerful scene because you get a really dark and sad insight into Will's life. Um, there's a scene at the very end when Ben Affleck goes to pick Matt Damon up. Um, and there's the scene where he's talking to the professor, the meth professor Matt Damon is, about he wish he didn't have the gift. And it makes him feel really bad that this professor who's dedicated his life to math can't do the stuff that he can do. And it's not even fun for him. It's just a thing that he can do instantly. Like, it's got a lot of, like, really good moments, along with a good story. But the story is like kind of tied together by these moments and by these amazing characters. Fun fact, it's actually written by Ben Affleck <laughs> and Matt Damon. It is. Uh, they they started writing it. I don't know where Ben Affleck went to school, but I know that Matt Damon started writing it in his fifth year of Harvard. Um, and it took a while for it to get produced. But yeah, it's let's just say it's a good story. It's not cliche, but it's kind of predictable. But it's mostly it's, held together by these amazing moments. Yeah, like, I would say that it is a super duper good movie. Highly sure. recommend. It's a little long, two hours, a little over two hours. Um, but it's but like good. It, it engages you for sure. And like for me, like it, I, like the length of it didn't take me out of it at all. Like, yeah. Uh, so like you said, it was written by Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon. It was uh, directed were, by uh, Gus Van Sant. Yeah. Who 
directed he directed a few things but another notable work is milk which i never saw but that got some oscar attention so yeah he's a notable director but actually went through the cycle of directors for a long time um they at one point even um mel gibson was like gonna direct it um which i think is interesting um interesting fact about the writing of the movie i'll just throw this tidbit in there is that they found a, they had a really interesting way to choose who would be the right studio for their script, and that's that on page sixty of the script they wrote a completely like random sex scene between Will and Chucky Ben oh Affleck gosh. and Matt Damon, um, and they took it to every major studio and no none of them mentioned the scene at all. Um, but when they met with Harvey Weinstein or however you want to pronounce it at Miramax, he was the only one to mention the scene, and he's like. What the heck is going on with that? Because they're both <laughs> straight men. What is happening? Um, and they explained that they put it in there because they wanted someone that actually read the script. And he was the only one that actually read the script out of all the major companies they wrote it to. That's so cool. And so then they decided on Miramax to produce it. Um, and so I think that's an interesting thing. Also, Gus Van Sant uh, asked at one point for them to add a scene or rewrite, a, rewrite the script and include a scene where... Was it Casey Affleck's character? No. No? Okay, I thought it was him. I thought it was him. Go on. No, go on. <laughs> Aston rewrite a script uh, to have a scene where Chucky... Chucky is Ben Affleck, Yeah, right? Ben Affleck's Okay, character. I just wanted to make okay, sure. I, Maybe yeah, I, I was confused. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Aston write a scene where Chucky is killed in a construction accident. And they were like, no, but they did eventually reluctantly. And then after they wrote it, he was like, the director, Gus Van Sant, was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that was a bad idea. Yeah. And that that wouldn't have fit into the movie at all, I think. It would have just been way too much. And I think, I don't, I'm not familiar with Gus Van Sant's work at all, um, but I know that the Miramax really wanted um, Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon to really kind of, I don't want to say direct it, but very like, very much so like run run the movie themselves, how they make it how they want it. Um, and so I kind of don't want to say he was a yes man, but I feel like, they kind of definitely had to have someone that would listen to what Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were saying since it was their work. Um, but, yeah, it's a very, it's a really well-directed movie. Has, like I said, a lot of those really good moments, a lot of really good dialogue. Um, oh, for even. sure. It's got very, like, believable and funny and kind of contrasts with the dark bits of the movie very well. Um, so, yeah, excellent directing. And obviously acting we can talk about is that it's going to be stellar. It's got Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. It's got Stellan Skarsgård. It's got freaking Robin Williams. Like There's, like, a lot of powerful moments with Robin Williams and Matt Damon. It, it's insane. It's really, really well done. Yeah, so acting is really you can't – you couldn't ask for better actors for this movie. I oh, mean, absolutely. Um, you mentioned that at one point they were they wanted uh, studio wanted to have excuse me they wanted to have Matt Damon well, and I, Ben Affleck played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Yeah, actually, they, when they were going around trying to get this uh, script sold, like all the studios were like, uh, we want like big names attached to this movie. They wanted like Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt to play you know Ben and Matt's roles. Uh, but like they're like no we want we this is our baby like we want to do this mm-hmm. like our way uh, and then actually like Kevin Smith uh, like helped him out and took the script to Miramax mm-hmm. he was the one that kind of like helped them get the movie made pretty mm-hmm. much which is like really cool and another thing that helped get the movie made is that Robin Williams signed on who was a huge star at the time yeah they were and like so saying like as soon as he got on that really like what were you gonna say uh, I was just gonna say they had that character in mind for Robin Williams 
and only Robin Williams. They were like, if we got to get him, otherwise, like, might as well not do it. And uh, I was going to say is that actually when Robin Williams got the script for the movie, once he read it, the first thing he asked was, who are these guys? Because he knew, like, this is amazing stuff. Like, they're going to do great things. Mm-hmm. Also helped make the movie is that Matt Damon, who had never acted anything before, I don't believe. No, I think this was, like, the first time out. Mm-hmm. He got signed on to be a lead man next to Francis Lloyd Cop- Copula. I don't know how to pronounce it. I know who I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. He's like He was, like, a big man, a big actor for a long time. Um, and he got signed on to be a leading man next to him. And so they're like, oh, Matt Damon can be a leading man. Uh, and so that kind of helped get the movie made as uh, as well. Um, other, like, interesting facts. There's a lot of interesting facts about this movie. There's, like, background information. Is that on the very first day of shooting, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck started crying out of happiness um, after they there was a scene between Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård um, because – those huge actors were doing what they or like acting out a scene that they had wrote as like relative nobodies at the time. And this that was super powerful um, and super like like relatable almost because like they're they're just like regular guys and like there are these huge actors that are acting out like their script. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because like these guys have known each other since they were like like ten. Mm-hmm. Like they've been like childhood friends, and then they went and made this made a movie together. And they actually got an Oscar in 1997 for uh, best screenplay. I mean, you can look it up on YouTube, like their uh, like their uh, acceptance speech. They're like flipping out, and it's so cool to watch because they're just like two regular dudes. Mm-hmm. And I think it is really. It kind of gives us hope as uh, movie people. You're like anybody can do it. They yeah. did it at the end of college, and they didn't have anything, any experience for the most part. Uh, some other interesting things is that there's a lot of like ad-libbed lines in this movie. Um, one of the most famous ad-lib scenes of all time comes from this movie, and that's the scene where uh, Sean, who is played by Robin Williams, is talking to um, Will, who's played by Matt Damon, about his wife farting in her sleep. And it's just like that scene was entirely ad-libbed. Really? Yeah, Robin Williams, I don't know if he made it up or if it was based on his actual wife. I don't know about that. But it was like a totally ad-lib scene that wasn't written down. And that's why Matt Damon is laughing so hard because he didn't expect that to happen at all. That's fantastic. And apparently that's if great. you watch the scene carefully, you can notice the camera shaking probably because the cameraman like, was also laughing. That's so cool. Another thing is that Casey Affleck also ad-libbed most of his lines. I read about that. That was like completely him and everyone was like cracking up and saying like you know what this is kind of better than what we had written out for you yeah actually what it says here is that originally this frustrated matt damon and ben affleck and gus van sant but later they were like okay yeah those were like way better lines um which i think is kind of funny yeah i also think it's interesting that casey affleck acted or cool to see casey affleck acting right beside his brother i wonder if like they were like yeah yeah dude you can have this and kind of hooked casey affleck Mm -hmm. up with a role which would be really funny if that's what happened. Um, another thing is that when Robin Williams and Matt Damon were shooting the famous park scene that I was talking about, um, they were shooting in a public place. Um, and if you look in the scene, it kind of looks like the park is relatively empty. But there was actually, since Robin Williams was huge at the time, Weren't there like thousands. There of people were three thousand people there watching that scene. That's crazy. Which is amazing. Uh, Good on them to be able to... he could, like, stay in character, and there's 3,000 people just, like, freaking out, probably. They are probably, like, with, like, megaphones or whatever, saying, guys, please be quiet. We're trying to do a very intense scene here. Come on, work with us. That's great that they were able to, like, pull that off without any 
you know, crazy interference. Here's something interesting as well is that initially Harvey Weinstein did not want Mini Driver to play Skyler because uh, he thought that she wasn't cute enough. Really? Uh, but Gus and Matt and Ben wanted her in the movie, so they ultimately uh, they made they kind of forced his hand and said, "No, nope, we're having her in here." And then she went on to receive a nomination for Best Supporting Actress. That's great. She was really good in that role. And so, actually, her character is named after Matt Damon's girlfriend at the time, Skylar Satinstein, or Satinstein, or however it's pronounced, um, who actually left Matt Damon for the Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich huh. um, before filming. But um, then Matt Damon and Minnie Driver became romantically involved during the filming of the movie. There you go. Found another Skylar. Um, I think, yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff. There was originally, wasn't he, he wasn't going to be a math prodigy. He was going to be a physics prodigy. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. That was, like, a huge thing. And then he, like, consulted with, like, a, like a math professor on, like, coming up with the ideas for the, you know, the concept of the, that side of the story. Mm-hmm. Additionally, another ad-lib line was the last line of the whole movie that Robin Williams says about Matt Damon stealing his line. That was ad-libbed, and Matt Damon says that that's the best uh, best line in the whole movie. You think it was the best addition that Robin Williams had to the whole movie. Uh, I'll go some other stuff really quick. Is that At one point, Will recommends that Sean reads Howard Zinn's People Repub- or People's History of the United States, and as a boy, Matt Damon actually lived next to that guy and did the voice recording for his book. That's really cool. Yeah, there's the stuff about they wanted Leonardo and uh, Brad Pitt to play roles. Yeah, there's just lots of, like, interesting stuff behind the movie. Lots of stuff that you would never know. Um, I don't know. You just never – you just n- would never think about, I should say, is there's, like, so many interesting things, especially behind a movie like this, that it's, like, the first big project for these guys. You can tell there was, like, a lot of, like, heart put into this. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they took their time, and they really, like – they really appreciated – this uh, this opportunity to make this movie, which is like really cool and like really inspiring, I would say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you get the chance, for sure check out Goodwill Hunting on Netflix. It's a really good movie. It's powerful. It's hilarious. I just got like two more things I want to add. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, just that this this movie was made with a relatively low budget for the time as well, uh, ten million dollars. It made two hundred twenty five million dollars. It is currently. Um, one of the top 250 best movies of all time, according to IMDb, it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes um, and a 70 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. Um, it's yeah, it's got amazing re- uh, reception, and it totally deserves it. It's a it's a really good movie. It's like uh, I want to say like honestly like teared up a little bit. I, I did too. It's it's really good. It's okay to cry. Yeah, but it's like it's it has those moments where you're just like really super emotionally invested in it, but also there are those moments where it's like extremely funny and like mm-hmm. the way it like varies like that, it just like hooks you in. Uh and yeah, it, it's really good. I could not recommend it. I'd give it anymore. 10 out of 10. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh real quick Twitter plug. We have a Twitter CMU Netflix Club. You can follow us at CMU underscore Netflix Club. Continue uh, the conversation there. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie. Anything you'd want us to talk about? I think we missed any other movies or shows you'd want us to talk about. We're definitely down uh, for the recommendations. Exactly. Uh, also, next week we're going to be watching The Little Prince, which is a Netflix original ish. 
Uh, we'll talk about that. And also, we're going to give out some recommendations for some family movies that you can watch over Thanksgiving And those are going to be, we're going to try to aim for uh, specifically children's movies, or children's, movies that are based off children's books. And it doesn't necessarily mean kids' movies, it's family movies, but yeah. they're based off kids' books. So, like, you can watch it, you're not going to be, like, not entertained. Like It's not going to be for the children, it's going to be for it's everybody. Be for if the you family. like good movies, we're going to talk about good movies. Exactly. Yeah, that, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of the Netflix Movie Club. I've been Noah. And uh, I've never been Tom. See you next time. <laughs>